our mindsets are actually the most foundational aspect of everything that we do. They are the entry point from our body's senses and our brain. It has to pass through our mindsets to get there. So both psychologists and neuroscientists identify mindsets as the most foundational aspect of everything that we do. And so here's the cool thing about understanding that is if we could shift our mindsets, we could change everything about us because our mindsets fuel how we think, learn, and behave. How we think, learn, and behave drives how successful we are in our life, our work, and our leadership. If we could change ourselves at our most foundational level, everything, the natural downstream byproduct of that, our thinking, learning, behavior, and our success are are naturally things that will improve as we improve our mindsets. That's my guest for this episode, Ryan Gottfriedson, clearly showing his excitement on this topic of mindsets. And he has a lot of great info, as you'll hear, much of it directly actionable. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 159 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'm happy you're here, and I think you'll really get a lot out of this interview with Ryan on the powerful topic of mindsets. Ryan is a leadership and management professor at the College of Business and Economics at Cal State University, Fullerton. But more importantly, he's a cutting-edge author, researcher, speaker, and consultant about mindsets. You can find a lot of his materials, resources, and talks on his site, ryangodfordson.com, including an amazing assessment we'll talk about a little more. And of course, I'll put links to his site and all the other information we talk about into the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 159. Ryan works with organizations individuals, leaders, teams, and employees to improve by focusing on mindsets. In this episode, he'll tell us how he does that and how to do it for ourselves and the beneficial outcomes of focusing on shifting to more open mindsets from more preventive mindsets. A lot of his recent focus is on helping organizations vertically develop their leaders, again, through shifting their mindsets. And we'll talk about what vertical development means and why it's so important for all of us a little later in the episode. I first heard of Ryan in the leadership training where the topic of mindsets came up, and I was directed to Ryan's assessment, which I found incredibly revealing and also inspiring. I was already familiar with the concept of fixed and growth mindsets from the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But Ryan was talking about four different mindsets, all of them important to think about and all different, and that was eye-opening for me. Ever since then, I've been following him. I happened to reach out on LinkedIn to invite him on the podcast, and happily he said yes. This is a great interview. I hope you enjoy and find the ideas as exciting and actionable as I did. I started by asking Ryan to just share what mindsets are and why they are important. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. I've been following you for quite a long time. And as I mentioned in the intro, I was introduced to you via this concept of mindsets. And I read the book, Mindset, so I knew about one. But when I saw your work, I thought, wow, there's more than one. So first of all, maybe you can share with us what mindsets are and some of the background of the concept of mindsets and the different ones that are out there. Yeah, no, that's great. And I've had a similar journey that you've had. Is like the, I heard about mindsets, Carol Dweck's Fixed and Growth Mindsets. And I, when I originally learned about this, I thought, man, this is really fascinating stuff. And and here's how I would define mindsets, just at a high level, is the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world, right? And, and I've 
been able to dive into the neuroscience behind mindsets. And what our mindsets do is they filter in specific information into our brain. They interpret that information in unique ways. And then they activate our bodily's response based upon the information taken in and how we interpret it. So for example, with fixed and growth mindsets, for example, some people see failure as an indication that they are a failure. That's an automatic interpretation. And so when we automatically interpret failure as being indicative of us being a failure, we have a tendency to want to avoid challenges or situations where we might fail. And whereas somebody with a growth mindset, they don't see failure as an indication that they're a failure. They actually see failure as an opportunity to learn and grow. And that's their natural body's way of interpreting failure. So the tricky thing about mindsets is we all have them, but they reside below the level of our consciousness for most people. But we can awaken to them. We can bring them to the level of our consciousness and kind of say, how is my body prone to see and interpret the world around me? And so that's why I loved Carol Dweck's Fixed in Growth, because it's, ah, that, that allows me, now that I have labels and descriptions, to evaluate whether I have a more negative self-protective mindset or a more positive value-creating mindset. And then as I learned about this, I was are there other mindsets out there? And come to find out what I've done through my academic research is I've scoured the academic landscape across education, psychology, management, and marketing. And what I've found is that across these disciplines, there's really four primary sets of, been, of mindsets that have been studied for over 30 years. And so my book, Success Mindsets, and my mindset assessment that I've developed brings together these four disparate sets of mindsets into one framework to help us better awaken to the quality of our mindsets. And are we prone and disposed to see, interpret, and navigate in our, our, in our world in a more self-protective way or in a more value-creating one? So I love this idea of being awakened to our mindsets. That's a beautiful phrase. So once we're awakened and we understand where we are, can you change your mindset? Is it something you can take action or you... Are there techniques of becoming, of moving from, say, a fix to a growth mindset or that, one of the other yeah, ones? Yeah. So the answer is yes. And that's why I love focusing on mindsets is because they are things that we can change. And that hopefully you've gotten a sense of this, if you're listening, uh, that our mindsets are actually the most foundational aspect of everything that we do, right? They are the entry point from our body's senses and our brain. It's, it has to pass through our mindsets to get there. So both psychologists and neuroscientists identify mindsets as the most foundational aspect of everything that we do. And so here's the cool thing about understanding that, is if we could shift our mindsets, we could change everything about us, right? Because our mindsets fuel how we think, learn, and behave. How we think, learn, and behave drives how successful we are in our life, our work, and our leadership. If we could change ourselves at our most foundational level, everything, the natural downstream byproduct of that, our thinking, learning, behavior, and our success are, are naturally things that will improve as we improve our mindsets. And what does this look like? It's different than most development tactics. Most development tactics are about gaining knowledge or gaining skills. We actually classify this as horizontal development. 
but we don't rewire our neural connections in our mind and body just by gaining knowledge and, or, or gaining a new skill. We actually have to go through a different development approach, which is called vertical development, which is more about upgrading our internal operating system. And the basic idea of vertical development is we have to actually rewire our neural connections. And I'm not going to say that's easy, but what I will say, it's easier than we generally think. Um, because what it really takes is it's just like hitting the gym for our muscles, because our muscles and our neural connections are a lot alike. The more we work them out, the stronger they become. And so what that means for us is if we want to shift our mindsets, we've got to hit the gym for our mind. We've got to regularly exercise and work them out. It doesn't mean some big, great, grand things. It means a bunch of small, little things repeated over time. I'm sure we'll talk about some examples of that. But if we can do that, then we can elevate our mindsets in a relatively short amount of time. I know when I go to the gym and I start doing my upper body work or my curls or whatever, yep. I can start seeing changes in my biceps, for example. Mm -hmm. What kind of results do people see, or is it clear enough for people to see the results that they get from doing vertical development? Yeah. Can I, let me give a personal example, if that's sure. okay. This will tie in a tool that can be used to strengthen our mindsets. And it's been game changing for me. So I used to have what is called a prevention mindset. When somebody has a prevention mindset, they're more focused on approaching their day in a way that will make them the most comfortable. Somebody with a promotion mindset, on the other hand, they approach their day in a manner in which they want to make the most of their day. They want to be able to use their day to not be necessarily be comfortable, but to be productive towards fulfilling a goal or a purpose. And so I used to have more of a prevention mindset. And at the time, I was very risk adverse. That's one of the aspects of having a prevention mindset. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I was taught by my dad, never go into debt. Debt is bad. And around this time, I met a CEO that's in Orange County, not too far from where I'm at. And he hands me a book. And visually, I'm showing Niels the book. Uh, the book is called The Five-Minute Journal. And outwardly, I'm very gracious, thinking... Oh, thank you. I love books. Thank you for giving this to me. But inward, I'm thinking, who the hell do you think I am? Like, there is no way that I'm going to journal. Like, I had a very bad stereotype about to journalers. My mom was an avid journaler, and it just never made sense to me. And so I, I came home, and I literally went to throw the book in the trash. And I had this epiphany where the CEO's face appeared over my shoulder and in my mind's eye, I heard him say, this book will change your life. And I was like, oh, maybe I should give this a shot. So I decided, I said, I'm going to give this two weeks. And if I feel a benefit, then great, I'm going to keep doing it. And if I don't feel a benefit, it's going in the trash. But I've now been doing this six or seven years now to speak to its benefit. So what, what this did for me is on a daily basis, I answer every morning three questions. What are three things I'm grateful for? What are three things that would make today great? And then I fill in some self-affirmations. And what this is doing for me is it was forcing me every morning, and rather than being wired for how do I get through today in the most comfortable way, it started to get me wired for how do I make the most of today? 
And, and in just a couple of weeks, I was feeling some significant shifts in terms of how I think and how I behave. And it was then that I decided after making that shift in my mindsets that, look, if I want to really accomplish my goals, I can't keep playing it safe. And I made the decision, I want to start a business. I'm going to have to go into debt to do two things I would have never done before. And that's when I decided I need to write a book. And that's where my book, Success Mindsets, came from. And so looking back on that is I never would have done those things with the prevention mindset. But once I shifted to a promotion mindset, those things became things I almost felt like I needed to do. Oh, that's a fantastic story. It sounds like you had to have something of an open mindset to even <laughs> continue or to consider that maybe you would try the book for two weeks. Yeah, I wasn't quite there. Yeah, I had to do some work on, uh, that's another set of mindsets, closed to open mindsets. And initially, like when we have a closed mindset, what I know, I think is the best. Mm -hmm. Whereas an open mindset is, I could be wrong. And, and that allows us to take in and absorb information. And so when I got the book and my mind immediately went to, journaling is not going to help you. That's immediately the closed mindset. I know better than the CEO that journaling isn't going to help. But because of this little this fortuitous epiphany of this, this book will change your life, then I decided maybe I don't know. Let me try it out. And that was an activation of an open mindset. And I've had to work on that just as I've had to work on my prevention to promotion mindsets. And for context, I have, as we've talked about, I have a mindset assessment where people can gauge where they're at along the four different mindset sets. And what I've found across over 40,000 people who have taken my mindset assessment is only 2.5% are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. What that means is that most of us, myself included, We've got some mindset work to do. And, and if you're anything like how I was six, seven years ago when I was first learning about mindsets is it shouldn't surprise us to find that if we've never really worked on our mindsets, that we shouldn't expect to have really great mindsets. But if we can put some, again, put some labels and descriptions on these mindsets, then we could work on them. And start going to the gym, the mindset yeah. gym. That's cool. So I guess as a product manager, I have to ask this question, or maybe because I'm a contrarian. Are there any negatives to these? So there's the four mindsets. Each of them have a preferred side from vertical development standpoint. Yeah. Can you go overboard or is it always better to have more? Such a great question. There's a lot of depth to this, but the reality is, is that we can't go overboard. Right. So if we let's just take this prevention to promotion, usually people with the prevention mindset want to avoid risk. People with the promotion mindset, they have a much healthier relationship with risk. It doesn't mean that they just throw risk out the window. No, actually, when we have more of this, so the four pot more value creating mindsets are growth, open promotion and outward. And with any of these mindsets, when we take those on, actually what happens is we become a more complex thinker and being. We add in greater complexity. So for example, with this prevention to promotion mindset, if I have a promotion mindset, again, it's not that I want to avoid risk. No, it's 
I've got a goal and a destination that I want to get to. And it's going to be my, it's my purpose to get to that destination. That doesn't mean that I'm going to just do things willy nilly and not be concerned about risk. No, I am going to be a concerned about risk on my way to get to that destination because I want to get there in the most effective way possible. But what happens is as I develop more of a promotion mindset, I widen my window of tolerance for things like problems and setbacks. We actually just recognize with this more complex worldview that as I go from where I'm at now to this destination that I've never been, of course, problems and setbacks are going to come. They're going to pop up and I'm going to start on my journey being okay with that. And I imagine there's a lot of product managers out there that you are aware of that they're very anti-problems and setbacks. We can't have this. We got to buckle it. We got to tighten everything up. And and there's reason for that because problems and setbacks are a pain to deal with. They're also the linchpin for creativity and innovation. Sure. A lot of it is actually our organizations don't like obstacles and setbacks. Yes. So a lot of what we get to do is tap dancing around because we know that there's going to be setbacks. In fact, I think that if you look at the ethos of product management, we really need to be all the positive mindsets, right? Because it's it, we're going to make better outcomes. As you say, it, it's what leads to better results and more value. And that's what we supposedly are focused on as product managers. But our companies want predictability. Predictability doesn't happen if there's obstacles and problems. And so that's a little balancing act that we have to do. And sometimes we get scared and we don't want to make a commitment or try something new because we know that it's going to result in somebody coming down on us. So that's potentially the challenge there. And then of course, individuals' personal mindset problems too. You bring up a really good point. And that's the notion of fear. Mm -hmm. So one of the things about fear is fear drives us to be more self-protective and take on more of the self-protective mindsets, the fix, close, prevention, and inward, right? We might have fears around, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to have problems. I don't want to get passed up or held back. Those are natural fears. And if we don't have a wide window of tolerance for those fears, then that's an indication we have more of these self-protective mindsets. But it also speaks to the fact that what about our culture that we're operating within? Does that culture feed those fears, right? If the culture says we can't have problems and setbacks, that's going to induce more self-protective mindsets in the organization. And so the culture in which we operate does play a pretty significant role in the mindsets that, that we adopt. For me, there's a really great example of this with Microsoft, with Satya Nadella, the CEO there. Satya Nadella, in my mind, is a really sophisticated leader. And shortly after becoming CEO, Microsoft was releasing an AI chatbot called Tay. And and they released it, uh, and it was via Twitter, so people could tweet into Tay, and Tay would tweet back. And the public, maybe not being as kind and nice as we should be as a whole, started to tweet to Tay misogynistic and racist language and even and swear words. And Tay, being a learning bot device, started to spew this back. And it was a complete PR nightmare, not only for Microsoft, but for anybody playing in the AI space at the time. And Satya Nadella, after learning of this situation, 
he sent an email to the product managers of Tay and said, keep going and know that I'm with you. And right there, that's such a demonstration of great leadership. He's creating the psychological safety that breeds innovation and creativity. He's limiting the fear in that environment. Did he want it to happen? No, but he recognizes to do great and amazing things, we're gonna have problems and setbacks like what occurred. Basically, the fact that it failed is okay, you're learning and we need to keep going. You mentioned how these mindsets, as you build them, grow them, I don't know what the right word is, you're building vertically. And so I know that you do a lot of work with companies about improving vertically. What are the benefits to companies of growing vertically, like of executives growing vertically, of individuals growing vertically? Let me paint a picture in your mind's eye. If we've got an x-axis and a y-axis, we've actually got two different parts of ourselves. One part of ourselves, which is the x-axis, I like to call that our doing side. This is our talent, our knowledge, our skills, and our abilities. And the other side is what I would call our being side. This is our character, our psyche, our mindsets, the quality of our internal operating system. And it's possible, in fact, this is what I most commonly see for leaders in organizations, is that they are really high on their doing side. They've had the knowledge, talent, and skill to be successful in their line of work, but they aren't always very high on their being side, meaning they have some more of these self-protective mindsets that hold them back from being more of a value creator. And so when you talk about developing us vertically, what that means is we're developing on this being side axis. We're upgrading our own internal operating system. And, and let me just identify two primary benefits. There's more than this, but one primary benefit is as we go up on our being side, we become a more complex being, right? One of the ways that I like to talk about this is you've heard the notion that we can wear many hats, right? As we go up on our being side, we develop more hats in our closet and we develop a greater capability of taking off and putting on the right hat for the right situation. And that's just another way of saying we become a more complex individual. The second benefit of elevating along our being side is that we get more out of our doing side. The reality is if we've got two people and they're both at the same level on their doing side, but one is higher on their being side than the other, the one that's higher on their being side is going to be more effective than the one who's lower on their being side. So those are a couple of ways of articulating the value of us upgrading our being, which another way of saying upgrading our mindsets. I love that. Uh, it's such a concrete benefit. Even if you are really just into concrete things, being more effective at doing stuff is a really good outcome, right? And it's a desirable outcome and easy to explain, right? And then you, of course, then you have to do the work. You have to go to the gym. <laughs> Yeah, but we could start with the question. And I love this question, partly because very few people ever ask it, but it can be very insightful. And that question is, if we understand this being vertical access, what is my vertical altitude? What is the quality and sophistication of my being? I've never met many people who ask and seek to answer that question. And partly because it's difficult to 
answer unless you have a framework like my mindset framework and a tool like my mindset assessment. So I'm not going to say that I own the corner, the real estate for that being side, but the mindsets are a being side characteristic of ourselves. And it's one of the ways for us to tap into what is my vertical altitude. Right. That makes makes total sense. Are there other evidences from just life that you might look at and say, oh, it looks like right now I'm being more closed and open or or based on the results I'm getting or something like that? I don't know if that even makes sense as a question. Here's where my mind went, and we could always shift gears if you'd like to, but here's one of the things that I found really fascinating. So I've been, as I mentioned, I've been diving into understanding the neuroscience behind mindsets, and here's been one of my most fascinating learnings. And it, maybe it shouldn't surprise me, but it caught me off guard. What we're finding and what neuroscientists are finding is that the more one experiences trauma in their life, the more self-protective their body becomes wired. So in other words, there seems to be a direct connection between the trauma we've experienced and the quality of our current mindsets. I guess I didn't expect to learn that, but the implication of that is rather profound. And the implication is, and what we should know as a context for this, is psychologists have found 70% of adults, at least 70% of adults, have experienced trauma in their life to the degree that it has negatively altered their body's nervous system, which is these neural connections. And so most people, again, what I find is only 2.5% are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. But all this to say, that if we want to elevate our mindsets, upgrade our mindsets, actually what we have to do at a foundational level is heal our mind, our body, and our heart, usually from past experiences that have caused us to become more self-protective. Very interesting. And so I can see how having a gratitude practice could help with that in a small way, but it also makes me think, wow, that's a big ask. Overcoming trauma is known as a difficult challenge, right? For sure. So what is one to do? For example, say one knows, yeah, I had this traumatic thing that has caused me big problems. What does one do in that case? There, there's a spectrum. One of the things that I found is I learned about these four sets of mindsets. I found that initially I had all four of the self-protecting mindsets personally. Fix, close, prevention, and inward. And I've dedicated a lot of time and resources to improving my mindsets. And what I found for my, and I think everybody's experience is different, is that shifting from a fix to growth, from a close to open and a prevention and promotion, that came rather, I'm not going to say easily, but like the shift occurred. I never felt hung up with making that shift. And I'm not done. And there's still work to do. But the shift from inward to outward has been really sticky for me. And one of the things that I've actually learned, I spent the last essentially two and a half years working with a trauma therapist. And one of the things that I've found is that my trauma in my past, which is largely emotional neglect by my parents, caused me to develop an inward mindset. And that the reason why I wasn't able to shift from that inward to outward is because there's some deep-seated 
stuff there. But I will say by engaging with a trauma therapist, I have made more progress on that continuum than the prior four years before. And so it's been game changing. I don't think everybody needs, maybe has experienced trauma to the degree that they need a therapist. For me, I have, and it's really benefited me. Um, but when we understand our being side, that it's there, and then it requires different developmental tactics, it opens up the door for engaging in non-traditional development practices like therapy. In fact, one of the things I found fascinating, and I, I haven't dabbled in it, I'm tempted to, I haven't dabbled in it, but a lot of research is coming out about the use of psychedelics in helping people to upgrade on their being side and helping them to rewire and upgrade their internal operating system. And that's an example of, again, another non-traditional developmental practice that is more focused on that being side. So it could be something as simple as like journaling, gratitude journaling, that's going to help. But you can quickly tell there's a variety of other options that range in depth for sure. That is very interesting. And I love that. It's like another reason to work with a therapist in the sense you're not just doing it to feel better. You're doing it to enable. And, and I guess people know this as a side effect is I can do things better in the world, right? Because being higher vertically means I'm better horizontally in a sense. It frees up some of my horizontal power. That's how you said that, yeah. And, and I love the idea of the psychedelics. I follow that. I haven't ever tried it myself. I want to, but <laughs> I was scared. I have, I have a somewhat closed mindset on that, but the things that people are finding in terms of the therapeutic uses of psychedelics are just fascinating. Yeah. There's a book I would recommend to anybody who wants to learn more about it. I, it's written by Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind. Yes. He's such an interesting person too. Yeah. I'll put that, a link to that in the show notes so that people can access that. This has been fascinating. You weren't expecting, were you? Yes, but that's awesome. That's a great thing to do. So I think what I'd like to do, I don't know if you can just rip this off the top of your head, but I always like to have three things that people can start doing today to put these ideas into practice. And I think number one is go and take your assessment. I've done it. I recommended it to lots of people. I've recommended it on this podcast before. I really think it's a great thing to do. Of course, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So that's number one. Do you have number two and three for us? Yeah. So along with number one, taking the assessment, I think in general, just learning more about mindsets is, mm -hmm. is going to help provide a strong base for doing more of this vertical development type work. I've written a book, Success Mindsets on Mindsets. I'm not the only one that's written a book, but I do encourage people to learn more about these different mindsets, how they show up in their lives. So um Improving our knowledge in this space, I think, is really helpful. And then the next recommendation is to pick an exercise to do to strengthen your more value-creating mindsets. And one of the things that if you take my mindset assessment, you can get access to a whole host of resources of examples of exercises, as we've talked about the five-minute journal. It's hard for me to prescribe one. Just as you go to the gym, there's 100 different machines. And in my mind, what matters less is what machine we use. What matters more is that we're actually exercising. So for me, the five-minute journal is one machine at that gym. 
but find a machine that works for you. That could be meditation. That could be having discussions about mindsets with others. It could be re reading a certain book, listening to a certain podcast, focus on particular mindsets. So it, it's just hit the gym. It might be suggestion number three. Fantastic. That is great. And I think, I guess you can probably even do a tiny habits kind of thing for some of this, like the gratitude journal. It's a pretty small yeah. thing and there may be others as well. That's, that is fantastic. Ryan, this has been so interesting. I'm glad I learned about you and I'm really glad I just reached out to you recently and asked you on and here you are. And I'm just really so pleased with that. If people want to learn more about your stuff, what should they do? Should they reach out to you? Tell us all the contacty information. More than welcome for people to reach out. My website, ryangopperton.com. Of course, I've got a, a ton of information. That's where the assessment lies. Also, I would love to connect with people on LinkedIn and people can connect with me via my website or LinkedIn. That's really great. Again, thank you so much for showing up or for coming, for showing up. You, you stayed where you were and, you, and were <laughs> virtually showing up. It's a fascinating topic and I'm really happy that you are sharing it with my audience. Thanks for uh, creating the space for me. It means a lot. Well, there you have it. An amazing bunch of ideas from Ryan Godfordson and some specific things you can start taking action on today to apply the ideas. As I mentioned, I'll put links to Ryan's site and the assessment and all those things, the Carol Dweck book, into the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 159. If you like this episode and want to share the ideas in it, please feel free to tell your friends about it. It's a great way for the show to grow. Please let me know your thoughts on this episode. If you want to reach out to me about this episode or any other topic that I cover on the podcast, love to hear from you. You can always find me easily on LinkedIn or my email, nils at nilsdavis.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Nils Davis. Bye-bye. <laughs>